First Chronicle chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain, Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that you, uh, your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me uh, pain. And God granted what he asked. As I mentioned, um, back in, I think it's two, early 2000, and this uh, John Wilkins, I don't remember his name anymore, but I think it was John Wilkins, but he actually published a book called The uh, Jabez's Prayer, and it was a really became best uh, sellers at that time for Christians, but everyone was reading that book, everyone was uh, praying the Jabez's prayers, and it was a really, really big, um, you know, the, the topic at the time. Uh, but I just want to go over really what that book said is what it says in the Bible. <clears throat> so as you can see here, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mothers called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. <clears throat> and Jabez... And Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my borders, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might uh, not bring me pain. So what he's praying is literally what everyone wants to pray to God. Right? Literally just make me rich, make me bigger, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm, I have no pain, right? Literally what everybody wants. This prayer is a very similar to, you know, when you actually look at uh, Jacob's prayer. Let's go to uh, um, Genesis. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28 talks about after... Jacob took the uh, the firstborns, uh, the blessing from Esau, and then he actually made uh, you know the meats and soup to his father Isaac when he was old. But Isaac could not see because he was too old, and literally, um, the uh, he deceived his father to really just receive the the firstborns blessings. And Esau was so upset, 
and he wanted to kill him. So, um, the Rebecca, which is Jacob's mother, really sent him to uh, his his uh, his brother uh, Laban. So when he was traveling from um, uh, place where the he used to live to uh, Padan Aram, he stopped at the place where he actually put uh, his stone as the pillow and he slept. And when he saw the stairways or ladder that he saw from the ground to the haven, the heaven, and then the, the angel was going on, you know, uh, go in and, uh, and down and in, uh, down and up to the, the, the letters. When he actually saw that, he actually prayed there. So when you read from verse, um, verse 16 and on. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning Jacob took the stones that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz uh, at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in, in this way that I go, will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Then the stone which I have set up for Pilar shall be God's house, and all of that you gave me I will give a full tenth to you. So when you listen to the Jacob's prayer, what is he asking for? So let's just break down what he's praying for. If God will be with me, number one, two, will keep me in this way that I go, Three, will give me bread to eat. Four, and clothing to wear. Five, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. So he put a lot of condition, right? He put a lot of condition. If you do one, two, three, four, five, six for me, then what? Then he said, then the Lord shall be my God. So, let's just kind of break this down for a moment. What if he doesn't do it for you? Huh? What if he doesn't? What, what if God doesn't do it, what he asked for? it? What is he saying? If you don't do what I asked you, you're not my God. Right? If you do 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 that I'm asking you, then you will be my God. But if you don't do this, you are not my God. So what is he really asking? Is he really just asking God to be his God? Or he's, you know, if, you know, you, you must listen to me and you must give me what I want, then I'll consider you as my God. And then what, he's, what he said is, 
Then the Lord shall be my God, and the stones which I have set up for pillar shall be God's house. If you do this for me, and then all that you gave me, I will give you a full tenth to you. I'll give you one tenth of what you gave me. Right? So when you look at his prayer, is he really care for himself? Or does he really care for God? He's only thinking about himself. Right? His protections, his, his uh, you know, whatever he needs, you know, give it to me. Right? When you actually look at this prayer, this is a really common prayer that a lot of Christians pray. And as I mentioned, when you listen to what even we pray, we mostly ask for, give me this, give me this, give me this, grant me this, allow me this, right? What are we asking for? Just asking, give me something. Instead of, what can I give you, Lord? Right? Instead of we giving you, I want to give you something, we always ask for something. Give me this, give me that. So our prayer, Jacob's prayer, and Jabez's prayer is not much different. But the interesting part is this. He prayed this, right? And then he went to his uncle, Laban. And then, God blessed him. God blessed him. After he was blessed, and then literally he took most of uh, the herd and, you know, the... uh, the animals from his uncle Laban, God actually called a Jacob, and God says something very interesting to Jacob. Let's take a look at what God said. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 31. Let's take a look at uh, starting from verse 1. Now Jacob heard that the son of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. And Jacob saw that uh, that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the hand of your father and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and uh, Leah into the field where his flock was, and he said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served you, father, with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wage ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wage, then all the flock bore spotted, and if he said, the stripped shall be your wage, then all the flock bore stripped. Though God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me, 
In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that made it with the flock were stripped, spotted, and uh, modeled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are stripped and spotted and modeled, for I have seen all the Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. So, as I mentioned, His uncle Laban cheated him many times and changed weights like 10 times. Even Laban did not do, you know, what he's supposed to do and cheated his, his own, um, the, uh, uh, nephew. God still blessed him, Jacob. So, Literally, Jacob took most of the uh, herd and animals from his uncle Laban. After he became uh, rich, God told him, God appeared to Jacob. And what God said to Jacob is, Go back to your father. I will be with you. But when he said that, he said something interesting. What God said to Jacob was, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and made a vow to me. What does God remember? Remember the prayer that we just saw when Jacob was actually leaving his father and went to his uncle Laban and what he prayed there? Jacob forgot the vow. Jacob forgot about it. How many years had, had passed so far? Since he prayed. How many years had passed? Don't know? He was with Laban for 14 years. Because... Jacob wanted to marry to Rachel, but Laban actually gave his you know, nephew, Leah, which is Rachel's sister, right? And Jacob said, no, 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 I don't want Leah, I want Rachel. And Laban said, well, if you want Rachel, then you have to work for another seven years for me. So he worked the 14 years to just get Rachel, so it was almost 14 years ago when he prayed, but he forgot. I mean, I'm going to ask you this. I don't know what, what you actually vowed to God 14 years ago. Do you remember? You probably don't even remember what you prayed 14 years ago. Same thing. We don't remember what we prayed 14 years ago. Jacob forgot about it. But now God appeared to Jacob and asked him, I am the God of Bethel. I'm the God of Bethel. What is God reminding him? Remember the prayer when you you know what you what you vowed to me at the Bethel 
I am the God of Bethel. Bethel is not what God called that place Bethel. Jacob is the one who called that place called Bethel. So God was sort of reminding Jacob, remember the vow that you made? I gave you all you asked for it. Now, what did you say that you were going to do? That I will be your God, and then this place will be house of God, and you will give me the tenth, right? You remember that? Where do you think to Jacob go after this? Where did, where did Jacob go? Well, Jacob did not go to Bethel. Where did he go? He went to a place called the Shechem. Shechem is the place where his only one and only daughter, Dina, was raped. So he went to Shechem, and when that incident happened, right, two of his sons go after the Shechem and literally killed him. So then, God actually appeared to him again. So let's go. Go to uh, chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. I mean, as a side note, if let's, let's say if he actually go to Shechem, right? And we just take a lot of pic- pictures. What happened in Shechem? I, I don't know. <laughs> well, if you don't know anything, then what, why are you here taking picture, right? We need to know exactly what happened and why this place is important for us. Chapter 35 says this, God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from you, uh, your brother Esau. What is God doing? God is reminding Jacob again. I am the God of Bethel where you made a vow. Go back to Bethel. Where is he now? Shechem. God told him to go to Bethel, but he did not go to Bethel. But he, instead, he went to Shechem. And that's where his daughter was raped. And that's when his, bro- his sons killed the people of Shechem. So now, all his family is in jeopardy. Because there could be people coming after him and kill all his family. So this is where God appeared to him and said, Go to Bethel. Keep reminding. Remember the vow that you made at the Bethel? Right? This is what happened. You pray. You made a vow. God actually gave you what you asked for and you don't remember. Even though God is keep reminding you, you don't remember. Now, coming back to Jabez. Jabez' prayer is a very similar, right? What is he asking for? Oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my borders, and that your hand might be with me, 
and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. So what he's asking for? Four things he's asking for. Very similar to what Jacob is asking. Bless me. I don't want to be in pain. You be with me. He's asking for a lot of stuff for himself, right? Enlarge my territory, right? So let's just break this down. First of all, it says, verse 9, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. More honorable. What does that mean by his honorable? Honorable, that was used, the, the Hebrew word that was used to represent honorable is uh, kebad. Kebad is used in different places. And let's take a look at some other places. Let's take a look at uh, Samuel, the second Samuel. Chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. <clears throat> Verse 18 and 19. Now Ab- Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief of the thirty, and he welded his spear against the 300 men and killed a man and won a name beside the three. He was the most renowned of the 30 and became their commander, but he did not attain to the three. Right. He was the most renowned. This is Kabad, which means He's more the renowned, he's the strong, he's actually um, respectful of a people. All right? And when you look at the first Samuel, chapter 9, First Samuel chapter nine, verse six. But he said to him, Behold, there is a man of God in the city, and he is a man who is held in honor. All that he says comes true. So now let us go there. Perhaps he calls. Uh, he can tell us the way we should go. Samuel was also called the honorable person, which is Kabad, the saint. So, what Kabad is referenced in the Bible, and remember, I, you know, I mentioned that Jacob went to Shechem. And Shechem was honorable person as well, which is a kabad as well. When we use the word a kabad, it means from uh, religiously, politically, and um, 
And from the power perspective, someone who's actually at the very high level, someone who are very powerful. Kabod means it's just not honorable, but it is a person who's at the very you know, high level of uh, a person who has the power and strength. Right? So at least we understand type of person the Jabez was in. He was probably at the level where he had more power and more uh, security and religious and other, other powers that he has. Whether he exercised it or not is a different story, but at least he was at that position. And coming back to uh, First Chronicle, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, as saying, because I bore him in pain. So bore him in pain. Uh, in Hebrew word, there's a many different word that are rooted from the same word. It's called in Hebrew word, soresh. Soresh means it's a root word. So the in pain means be'otzeb. Uh, the Hebrew word be'otzeb. Otzeb is actually, it is not widely used in the Bible. There is a place where it's actually used in um, Psalm. Let's just go to Psalm 139. One thirty-nine. We're going to read from verse twenty-three and twenty-four. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So, Otsev is actually used the word here only once after first chronicle what it means is otseb means there is a two different meaning one is um in pain another word is serving idol and etseb means here in this Psalm chapter twenty uh, uh, one thirty nine chapter uh, chapter one thirty nine twenty four, this meanings my sin, my actually misbehavior. So this is why David says, "Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thought. I have I'm always pure to you, Lord. You know me." And he said, "And see if there is any grievous way in me." Just look at my heart if I ever worship other idols, Lord. You won't find me because I never did, is what he's saying. And lead me in the way everlasting. So, this word otseb, used in the Bible, as more of worshiping idol than in pain. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
And then, coming back to First Chronicle, he said, um, Oh, that you would bless me. That you would bless me. So, when you look at the Hebrew word, <coughs> it used im barech te barech barech ni. What it means is, if there's a such a thing as a blessing, bless me. If there is a such a blessing, bless me. So what is he saying? If there is blessing, if there's a such thing as blessing, bless me. So what does that sound to you? He's becoming very selfish. Right? It is not just, just like what you see here is, that you would bless me. It is not like that. If you, if there's such thing as bless, bless me. So he's actually very, um, what is it called? The uh, he's a self-oriented person. He only thinking about himself, right? So bless me, and then what he says is. Enlarge my borders. Enlarge my borders. So this border is gbol, which means this is like a cord, right? The cord is to just to kind of like set the boundaries, right? But when God actually measures the boundary, that means God is actually setting the, the limit to the people. This is what I'm setting for you, that you stay here. That's what it when when God usually used that word. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Verse 10. Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the field of the fatherless. You don't see it here. But do not move the ancient landmark. It is the gabal. So which means, do not, I actually set the limit for you. Do not move it. God is saying, I'm, I, I set this for you. This is your territory. This is your land. But do not try to move this over to other places. This is what God is saying. So, when God sets the limit, then you should stay there. As I mentioned, when God actually assigns the the land to the Israel's tribe, God set, you know, through the Joshua, they set the, the, the area where each tribe could stay in. They never expanded that ter- uh, the land uh, territory. They stayed within the territory that Joshua had set. There's one tribe did not follow. Instead of staying in the territory where Joshua set for them, they thought that the people who were living there is too hard to fight and you know defeat them. So actually they abandoned that land. They went all the way up. So, 
let's actually go to Joshua. Uh, let's see if Joshua chapter. Nineteen. We're going to read from 40. The seventh lot came out for the tribe of people of Din, according to their clan, and the territory of its inheritance included Zorah, Eshtaol, Erd, Shemesh, Shalabind, uh, and Ajalond, uh, Ithala, Ilan, uh, Timna, Akron, and Elteke, El and Gibethon, Balath, and Jehud, Bene Barak, Geth Rimon, and Mi Jarkond, and Rakon, and the territory over against Joppa. When the territory of the people of Dan was lost to them, the people of Den went up and fought against the Leshem, and after capturing it and striking it with the sword, they took possession of it and settled in it, calling Leshem, done after the name of Dan, their ancestor. This is the inheritance of tribe of the people of Dan, according to their clan. These cities was their villages. Which means Joshua gave them a territory, but instead of taking that territory, they went up to the place where they are not assigned to it. They all the way gone up to the place, the, the called Leshem, and they, they were weak. So they defeated the, those people who were living in that land and you know, pushed the people out of that land, and they called the place called the Dan. Let me actually... Uh, See if I can show you uh, this. Uh, let me see. Let's see. You see my screen? Okay, so this is the territory where it was assigned to those tribes. All right. So you could you'll see Simeon, Judah, Dan, Ephraim, Gad, Reuben's, West, Manasseh, Issachar. So you'll see all the tribes here on the map, right? Correct. Where is Dan? You see, this is Dan. You see this? The Dan is right above Judah and below Ephraim. This is Dan. Right? This is assigned to tribe of Dan. What they did is this.
You just called Dan? Right here? This is the place where they went and take up their land, which belonged to Naphtali. Then, supposed to take the land here, but instead they went all the way up here and they took the city call and they called it Dan. This is what we just read. Leshem, it used to be called the Leshen, but instead of called the Leshen, they called it Dan and they, they named that city after their ancestor, Dan. Which means they were taking the land they were not assigned to them. Right? Dan is doing something what they should not done. So let's take a look at this interesting part. Genesis chapter 49. Dan chapter 49. We're going to read. Uh, before I explain. Genesis chapter 49 is what Jacob, before he died, he actually, you know, called all his sons. And then he was actually telling what will happen in, in, the, in, the, in the future. So let's just take a look at verse 1. Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourself together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the days to come. So Jake would call all his sons and then he was actually giving the prophecy what will happen in the future. So he called all his brother and each sons and he gave, you know, what will happen. Let's take a look at what he said to, about Dan. Verse 16. Dan shall judge his people. As one of the tribe of Israel, Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heel so that his rider falls backward. I wait for your salvations, O Lord. Wait a second. What is it Jacob saying to his son Dan? Is it a, is it a blessing or is it a curse? Like, what is this? Is that something good? Not good. What is he called? <laughs> what is he saying? <laughs> Jacob says to his son, Dan, Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels. <laughs> and then what? So that his rider falls backward. This is like really bad. There's no blessing in here. Right? And he says, I wait for your salvation, O Lord. I wait for your salvation because you're in jeopardy. You're in trouble. O Lord, please save my son, Dan. As you can see here, what did Dan do? His descendants, the Dan's descendants, what did he do? Even though he was given this part of the land right below the Ephraim, he took the land that was not assigned to him. Right? He literally expanded his territory. Right? He moved the cord that God has set for them. And he's the viper and he's the serpent. 
Now, obviously, you know what serpent means in the Bible, right? Another interesting part is this. Let's go to Revelation. Revelation. Chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. We're going to read from verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four wind of the earth, and no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the suns, with the seal of a living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm sea and, uh, earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have a seal the servant of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the son of tribe. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah was a sealed, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Ged, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. What do you see here? What happened to Dan? Dan is not here. They're not sealed. <laughs> what happened to Dan? The tribe of Dan, what happened? It's not there anymore. It's gone. Do you understand? The Dan was the one who was actually taking, you know, the land. They're not assigned to them and enlarged their territory, which is removed from, from sealed. What does that mean? What does that mean? So let's take a look at, you know, the some other places. Let's go back to uh, uh, the the first chronicle. So he's saying, enlarge my territory, which is what. Dan was doing. Enlarge my territory. Right? But what is the proverb says, do not move this landmark, right? Let's take a look at Rome's uh no, actually Psalm chapter sixteen. Psalm chapter sixteen. Psalm chapter 16, verse 5 and 6. The Lord is my chosen portions and my cup. Your holy, uh, you hold my lot. The line 
have a fallen for me in pleasant place. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. What is he saying? You hold my lot. The lines have a fallen for me, which means the cord that you set for me, the territory that you set for me, in pleasant places, indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. The place you set the limit for me, this is the beautiful inheritance you have allowed, it, allowed me to have, which means I stay within the limit that you set for me. And this is my inheritance, which Dan didn't do. Which is, Job is asking, enlarge my territory. You set the limit here for me, but expand this. Increase my, the, the territory for me. Rome chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of a faith that God has assigned. What is he saying? What is it? What is it Paul saying? According to the measure of a faith that God has assigned. God has a set the limit for you. This is what you have. Right? This time, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13. But we will not boast beyond limits but will boast only with regard, uh, regard to the area of inheritance God assigned to us to reach even to you. What is he saying? Let's read it again. We will not boast beyond the limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of in influence God assigned to us. What is he saying? The limit God has actually set that's where we stay. Right? So do not boast about the area beyond your limit. So, what does that mean? When God sets the limit for you, this is where you stay. Because this is the most pleasant things for you. This is what God has assigned for you. This is what you should be pleased with. Instead of, enlarge my territory. Right? So, let's go to Psalm chapter 106. Psalm 106. We're going to read from verse 13 and on. But they soon forgot his work. They did not wait for his counsel, but they had wanton 
craving in the wilderness, but put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but sent the wasting disease among them. What is he saying? What is God saying? God did what? Remember, God gave them, He gave them what they asked, what Israel asked, right? But sent the wasting disease among them. Remember, Israelites, they're asking for meat in the desert. Did God give them a, uh, the meat? Yeah, God gave them meat. What happened? They collected lots of meats. And do you know what happened? Let's go to um, Numbers. Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. We're going to read from verse 4. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that uh, cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. So God allowed the manna, but they are now craving for like more meat. Now, the manna was like a coriander seed and the appearance like the dead of uh, bedellium. The people went about and gathered it and grounded it, hand milled or beat it with mortal and uh, and boiled in the pots and made a cake of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of a cake baked with oil. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon uh, f- uh, fell with it. Moses heard the people weeping. Throughout their clans and everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant, and why have I not found a favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this, all this people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom? As a nurse carried a nursing child to the land that that you swore to give your fathers, where am I? Uh, where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they wept before me and say, "Give us a meat that we may eat." I am not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, 
Kill me at once if I find favor in your sight, that I may see may not see my wretchedness. What is actually <laughs> Moses saying? <laughs> Moses now complaining. Not only people are complaining, Moses is complaining to God. If you're going to do this to me, just kill me. I can't do this anymore. You're just putting too much burden on me to kill me. <laughs> then the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me uh, 70 men of the elder of Israel, whom you know to be the elder of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. So what is God doing? Tempering his, <laughs> his shoulder and saying, hey, hey, don't get mad. <laughs> just bring, bring 70 elders. I'll share the burden with those people. So just don't get too cranky here, all right? Just, just, just relax. Calm down. <laughs> And then what he said is this. And say to the people, Consecrate yourself for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us a meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and shall, you shall eat. You shall not eat just one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days, but the whole month, until it comes out, at your nostrils become loathsome to you, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him, saying, why, uh, why did we come out of Egypt? God is actually dealing with this little bit, you know, uh, <laughs> very, um, uh, what is it called? The um, Emotional. Taking it very emotional, right? What is he saying? You ask for the meat? All right, I'll give you the meat. Not only day, not only two days, not only five days, not only ten days, a whole month you'll be eating. You'll be sick and tired of the meat at the time when you actually just continue to eat meat. <laughs> so <laughs> he's, really, he's really mad. Now, we're going to jump to verse 31. Then a wind from the Lord sprang up, and it brought quail from the sea, and let them fall beside the camp about a day, day's journey on this side and a day's journey on the other side around the camp. And about two cubits above the ground, and the people rose all that day and all night and all the next day, and gathered the quail. Those who gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them out for themselves all round the camp. While the meat was yet between their teeth, before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people with the very great plague. Therefore the name of that place was called uh, Kibroth, uh, Hatava, because there they buried the people who had had the craving from uh, Kibroth uh, Hatava. The people journeyed to uh, 
Hazaroth, and they remained at Hazaroth. What did God do? <laughs> they gather so much of a quail. They were craving for it. They were like so hungry for meat. So they gather like day and night, the next day. It's like put them in the backs. And everybody was boasting about, look at this quail. Like, look at the back here. I got like so much. And they're ready to cook. Oh, let's eat. They're all prepared. They're about to eat the quails. And they shove it into their like mouth. And uh, the meat is between their teeth. <laughs> God slapped them <laughs> on their face. God literally slapped them on their face and killed them all. <laughs> so, have they really eat and consumed the quail? <laughs> they gather all day, all night, the next day? No, they didn't. <laughs> they were all killed. As I mentioned, God was so mad. So, did, so they asked for quail. Did God give them a quail? Yeah. God gave them a quail. <laughs> what they asked was given to them, but what happened? After they got it, they were killed. Is that a blessing? So let me ask you this. So you crave and you ask God, God, give me this, give me that, give me this, 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 this. And that God grants you. Oh, oh, I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm happy. What I asked for is what I got. You should be happy. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> you may get it. <laughs> you may get it, but may not be blessing for you. Same thing with, with Samuel. What did Israel ask for? Give us a king. Like the rest of the whole country has a king. How come we don't have a king? Samuel said, why do you need a king? Your God is a king. No, 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 no. We, we don't need God. We need a king. So Samuel went to God and said, God, they're asking for a king. What did God say? Give them a king. <laughs> give them a king. <laughs> but remember, if I give you the king, the king will take your possession. King will send your son to the battlefield. You will lose. They were going to just take everything from you. Are you Okay. Yeah, we want it. Give us a king. <laughs> so God gave them a king. Were they happy with the king? The most of the kings that they had was disastrous. Just like what God said. So you could ask for it. You may get it, but may not be blessed. So this is what God is saying. I set the border I set the line for you because this is what is actually good for you. This is what I allotted to you because this is where you need to stay. But people just want to know this is not good enough. Expand. Enlarge my territory. Right? So, this is the part. Now go back to first. Um Chronicle again. First Chronicle again. Continue. We're going to read verse 10. 
Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, "Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my borders; that you hand, uh, hand, your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain." God granted what he asked. So God granted what he asked, right? So now, what he granted. It used va yabe Elohim et eser shael. What it means is, we translate it as God granted. But it says va yabe. Yabe means bo. Bo means not granted. In what it means is come. Bo means come. Okay, so let's take a look at va yabe or the bo is where it used. So let's take a look at um, Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two. Verse twenty-two. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man He made into a woman and brought her to the man. This is bow. Brought. Bring. Va yabe. Bring him. Bring her. To Adam. So, next, First Samuel, First Samuel, chapter fourteen, and no, not the first Samuel, second Samuel fourteen. I'm sorry. First Samuel chapter fourteen. Second Samuel fourteen, we're gonna read from verse twenty-three. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. The brought is the same thing. Va yabe brought him. So what does that mean? Bring or come. That's what it means. So how this word ve uh, yabe became granted. So let's take a look at other places. Um, Second uh, Chronicle chapter twenty nine. Second Chronicle twenty nine, verse four. 
He brought in the priest and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east. Same thing. Ve yabe. Brought. Come. So, many places in the Bible, va yabe, which the bow translated as come. Brought, and this is the only place in First Chronicle, chapter four, when we talk about Yabez, it translated as granted. Where, where did this translation come from? Everywhere else is called. It says it is come, brought is what tra- what it translated. The same word. It's, this is the only place it's translated as granted. How did this actually, this word came as a granted instead of brought? What does that mean? Therefore, Jabez, Jabez was asking for, he wants to enlarge his territory. He wants more from, you know, from the God. God was upset. He came down to the place to see what he's asking for. He came down and looked at what he was asking for because he was craving for it instead of granted. So now, if you actually interpret it the way I just interpreted, does it mean the same as as you read Jabez's prayer? Translation could be, interpretation could be completely opposite than what we were thinking of Yahweh's prayer. Right? So then, as I mentioned, oh, so this is how we should pray, just like Jacob, just like Jabez. Oh, Lord, grant me more, 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 more. Bless me more, more, more. When you look at the prayers of many of the faithful people in the Bible, they never pray for enlarge their territory. None. Then why are we actually teaching people to pray this way? Like Jacob, like Jabez. And based on a lot of stuff that we just referenced in the Bible, Does that referencing for you to just ask for more, more than expand your territories or enlarge your, you know, the core that God has set or the limit God has set for you? No. This is how we want to interpret it. But that's not exactly how the Bible says. So, We've been praying just like Jacob, just like Jabez, because we want one more. Just like the people of Israel, God gave Israelites manna. Manna is not good enough for me. Give me more meat. That's what we do. 
What was the manna in the desert means? It is the bread from heaven, which is Jesus. So what they're saying is, Jesus is not good enough for us. Give me something else. Give me more tasteful. Give me more. What you're giving me is not good enough for me. Give me what I want. But God, when God gave the manna, was it good enough for them? But they didn't want it. They're getting sick of it. God gave us Jesus. We're getting sick of it. I don't want just Jesus. I want something else. Give me something more. That's what we pray for. When you look at the Psalms and David's and many of the people who wrote the Psalms, you know what they asked for? Salvation. Praising the Lord. And His holiness. That's what they did. Did David ever pray that I said, give me this kingdom? No. That's not what he prayed for. So why are we interpreting the Bible the way we want to interpret it instead of the way it is written in the Bible? This is the question. Right? Hopefully, you get the ideas of Jabez prayer, what it means now. Why the typical Jabez prayers interpretations way the John Wilkins is wrote in the book is not the way it is written in the Bible. And we talked about blessing, we talked about Jabez's prayer, why it is not the proper prayer. So hopefully you now understand better within the context of entire Bible. Not just this particular sections, but when you map it against the other parts of the Bible, what other incident happened, what did God do, what did God said, what other people said, you need to reference it all together to really just to get a better picture of what it means. And this is where I get so frustrated with people when people come to me and they say, oh, God said, you know, the people said, oh, bless me, enlarge my territory, this is how we should pray. Like, I get so frustrated, like, no, that's not what Bible said. That's what you want. That's not what Bible says. So don't put your thought into the Bible. Just don't interpret it the way you want to interpret it. So... Hopefully, this makes sense for you.